Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hi, I'm Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is The Best Life. Hey, we are in the Portland, Oregon studio, y'all. This is Danny J. And I am with Kelsey Heenan of The Daily Kelsey. Hello. Hi, hi. I was just telling Kelsey, I think everybody named Kelsey is so adorable. It's just, it's a requirement. (laughs) That's amazing. If you name your child Kelsey and they're just like weird and creepy, you have to just change their name, I guess. Yeah, this should be a legal issue. (laughs) (laughs) It probably is. So this is really fun because I actually got a somehow... Kelsey has been connected to Jill for years. And then I just got connected to Kelsey maybe two months ago or so. She reached out to me on DM and said she had listened to the metabolic damage kind of podcast. And I was like, this girl is so cute. And then Jill and I started talking about you and, and you just ended up working out with Jill in LA like two days ago. Yeah. It was super fun. Like, yeah, yeah, I followed Jill for years Uh and then finally got to meet her a couple of days ago. And, um, I love getting to connect with you. So was that fun. your first time meeting her? Yeah, it I was. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So you met Jill two days ago. Jill and I had not had this conversation that she was meeting you. And on the separate DMs over in my side, we were making plans to meet up in Portland. So I was like, wait a second. I'm going to see her like tomorrow. I don't understand how she's in LA with you. And now you're in Oregon with me. So just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> we're both all over the place. Yes. I really love it. So I am just super excited to have you here and just, um, share with our audience what you do. So first off, tell us about like, what's the daily Kelsey? Because, um, first off, she's got 133,000 followers. So you guys got to follow her. Uh, like her pictures are so cute. You'll oh, see, you. you'll just follow them with her instantly. But, um, kind of what's your background in like fitness and that, and that brand? Yeah, for sure. So I started the daily Kelsey because I wanted to help people in their relationship with food and exercise. Mm-hmm. So, Uh, My other brand, I do a lot with kind of the X's and O's of nutrition and fitness. So I write workout programs and nutrition programs and help people in that way. And then, uh, you know, it's great to have that and it's important and people need that. But I also saw a gap where you can have the X's and O's, but there's still a challenge in making a connection with the mind and body. And so um, helping people with their relationship with food is something that is really, really close to my heart. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I love to teach. Cool. So we'll get into that a little. So let's just talk about where we are right now. We're in Oregon. You said you just moved here two years ago. Yes. And you're potentially moving again. Yes. You don't know where you're living. (laughs) Yep. Just kind of like all over the place. (laughs) So, okay. So let's talk about, you got into, how did you get into health and fitness to begin with? So let's go to the way back story, maybe from the beginning and kind of 
how we even started getting into food and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I was an athlete growing up. I was a basketball player and that was just something that I loved and it gave me confidence. I was super shy growing up. Mm -hmm. And so once I got into sports, it allowed me to be able to express myself through movement. And so I, I loved being able to do that. So let me ask you, actually, I'm kind of curious about this. You got into basketball and I was never like a sports did your parents push you into that? Or is that something you were just into? Because I feel like for girls, it's always like dance gymnastics. Totally. And then I have so many girlfriends now that were like into sports. And so yeah. I always wonder like, how was your life? Because my parents didn't really push me to sports. Yeah, they, they didn't necessarily push me to mm-hmm. sports, but they, I, I basically wanted to do everything that my brother did. Mm-hmm. And so I, I hung out with my brother all the time. So I kind of just followed in his footsteps yep. in that regard. And he wasn't doing dance classes. So I was more <laughs> right, interested right. in basketball yeah. at the time. So he was your older brother? Yes. How many years apart are you? Uh, He's three years older than me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got into sports. Yep. Played in high school, college. Yep. Played both in high school and college. Mm -hmm. And so my journey into fitness kind of happened as I was in college. So, you know, playing basketball, lifting weights, training, all that kind of stuff. And I, I went through this period of time where I got really, really sick, uh, with anorexia Mm -hmm. because there's a whole bunch of things that happened, but basically I think it was just this perfect storm of all these different things where there's maybe a, some sort of genetic predisposition. I was always very type a, I like to have, yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. And it was just a big transition for me to going to play at a high level, being able to uh, do school and all this stuff. And I was in a new relationship, all this stuff all at once. And it was just really, really hard for me. And so I wasn't getting that much playing time. So I'm like, okay, if I, if I'm not getting to be on the court, what can I do? I can be in the best shape. Mm-hmm. And so I started working out more. I started really focusing on my nutrition and what I thought was healthy, yeah. which was actually just putting dieting rules in place mm-hmm. and under eating and it just spiraled. And it this spir- was in college? This was in college. Okay. Yep. Yep. So it, you know, some of it started towards the end of high school, but mm-hmm. the, the real exponentially uh, downhill stuff started in college. It's interesting because I feel like basketball isn't a sport where thinness is a big mm-hmm. deal yeah. and it's, you're covered for the yep. most part. So was that more like, was it a body image thing as well? Or did it really start of just trying to be in the best shape and yeah. trying to be like athletically better? Both. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's a really great point that basketball isn't necessarily something that people would think about yeah. with, with body image stuff, but just remembering all of the conversations with my teammates and so many other athletes mm-hmm. in college, like the soccer players, the volleyball team, everybody that food was such a challenging thing for so many people. Yeah. And because you, you have to eat to perform, yeah. but you also want to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, um, especially in something like basketball, I, you know, my, my coach always wanted me to be stronger, more powerful. And that was associated with just being bigger and, and more aggressive. And I'm a very chill person by mm-hmm. nature. And so it, would take me two months to build up enough like aggression to be able to perform the way that I needed to every yeah. day. And that was just really challenging for me. Super interesting. So how did you start to get out of that? Was there an intervention where family started to be concerned about you? Mm-hmm. Like how did you start to move through that? Yeah. So, so I basically lost weight super quickly mm-hmm. and my boyfriend at the time who then became my fiance 
was basically like, what is going on? Mm. This is, this is not okay. Mm. There's um, some things that happened where I had a couple freakouts around food and it was really scary because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand it. And he certainly didn't know what was going sure. on. And so he said, you need to talk to your parents or I will, because this is not healthy and yeah. normal and there's something going on because you're different. Yeah. And so, uh, we called my parents that night. My mom flew out the next day and took me to the doctor and the doctor said, well, we have to stop all physical activity. Mm-hmm. You have to, um, they, I mean, they should have probably sent me to the hospital at that point, but my mom basically came in and started this refeeding process because I couldn't, I couldn't do it myself, yeah. um, at that point, And I didn't know what was going on. I got lost for two hours driving to the airport, trying to find my mom, like wow. Google maps existed, yeah. but like, I just was so confused yeah. that I couldn't figure it out. Just little things like that, where it's like, I was not myself. Yeah. So crazy and so hard. We, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about the brain, how interesting it is. And I can't imagine how terrifying that would be to just not be able to find something where, but it's kind of in your control, but it's not right. Like you're actually not eating. So that's in your control. But I think at some point the anorexia takes over and you don't feel like you can control the not eating, right? Yeah. It's, it's a weird spiral. So you said your mom was kind of in charge of the refeeding. Were you resistant mm-hmm. or were like you going, no, I have to go back to school. Like, I don't want to deal with this. Or how were you, like, how were you feeling? Did you feel like they were kind of being mean to you? Yeah. It was this weird thing where I was like, I can't trust myself anymore mm-hmm. where I've always been so responsible and yeah. I'm always the one to get everything done well yeah. and uh, reliable. But these things kept happening where I didn't know myself anymore. And so part of me was like, mom, you're crazy. This yeah. is ridiculous. I can't even believe that you would make me leave school for a month that you would think that I need treatment. Like you are absolutely insane. And then the other part of me was like, she has to be saving my life right now because I cannot take care of myself and I'm so anxious and so yeah, just out of it that I can't function. So it was, it was this weird back and forth where I hated everything that was going on and, and thought they were all crazy. And then also deep down I knew, okay, there's something going on here. Yeah. I think we all have that inner voice. It's like, it's almost like there's two of you, right? That one person screaming, like, save me. I need this. And the Mm -hmm. other person's like, no, no, no. And it's, it's so fascinating to like be in that spot. Yeah. So you left school then for a bit. I did. And were you freaking out about that? Like academically, were you on a scholarship or? Yes, I was. Yeah. So I was on an athletic scholarship and I had some academic scholarships too. So between the two, my, I had a full ride. Yeah. And, um, thankfully, uh, because it was a medical thing, my, my basketball coach was so gracious to allow me to keep my scholarship, the athletic or the, um, academics. I was allowed to keep that. My teachers worked with me to be able to keep doing classes as much as I could. Mm -hmm. Um, so they were, they were really gracious and understanding throughout the process. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Now, were you feeling ashamed? Like, were you embarrassed to tell people what was going on or you just were so out of it? You're like, I don't even, I'm not dealing with this right now. Yeah. I I totally was ashamed because I didn't realize how quickly I had gone downhill Mm -hmm. and didn't understand it even then. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had been in perfect control when I realized that that was the exact opposite. And, you know, I eventually went into treatment. My mom, you know, took me and fed me for a month until I, they had a spot open for me. Mm-hmm. And that 
was a very um, humbling experience because I was a part of a family-based treatment FBT program. Okay. So my then fiance, Dennis, and my mom went with me and were a part of some of the sessions. And then I was with some of the other patients for the other sessions. And it was me who was 21. I was the oldest. I was the first young adult to go through this program. Uh, me, a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 7-year-old. Wow. And so going into that situation, I was like, I'm 21 years old. I'm an adult. I should know exactly what's going on in my head and my body and everything. And I'm sitting here with a seven-year-old and we're both crying over eating our feared foods. Yeah. What is going on? And so it was a really humbling experience. Wow. Wow. For multiple reasons Mm -hmm. like that insight. And then a seven-year-old, geez, it's really sad. And you know, eating disorders don't discriminate against gender, age, Mm -hmm. socioeconomic status, anything they can affect anybody. Yeah. And going into that, I actually had a conversation with a girlfriend yesterday and I was telling you earlier, I just got back into counseling and it's expensive and treatment is very expensive. And unfortunately, a lot of people are unable to take the time or the money and find the resources to do that. So were your, like, was this covered by insurance? Were your parents paying for it? I mean, was there a stress, like a financial stress too at the same time? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. There was um, not covered by insurance. Um, And that's something that I know people are working on to get different mental health things um, covered by insurance, but that was definitely a frustrating conversation for them. I mean, they were so helpful in that process because I was a college student. I didn't have a job. I was playing basketball as my job. I didn't have any money. So yeah, yeah, I'm really thankful for them in that. Yeah. You were really blessed, I think in a way. I, I, um, I don't think I've shared this on the podcast, but I was in a behavioral, like a mental health, behavioral health center for a month. Mm -hmm. And they were going to put me into an inpatient eating disorder clinic, but it was 30 grand a month. It was basically a thousand dollars a day and insurance covered up to, I think $18,000 and we had already spent all of it at the other clinic. And Mm so my parents wanted to admit me and it was just too much money. And I think so many women struggle and they can't afford treatment. And I don't know. And I want to ask you maybe if you hadn't gone through that treatment what kind of things do you think might've helped you? Like what kind of, or maybe in that treatment, what were the things that were the most helpful that maybe somebody can be like looking to on their own if they just feel like they can't find treatment? Like what really helped there? That is a great question. So some of the elements that were really helpful were we addressed all of our feared foods Mm -hmm. um, head on. And that was something that that, you know, that can be replicated outside of treatment facility, mm-hmm. but obviously with, with people who like medically are there to make sure yeah. that you're okay. Yeah. That was something that was the worst, mm-hmm. but also the best. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing the bowl of pasta and breaking into tears the second I, and just mm-hmm. complete fear took over. Um, and they just made you eat it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but what was empowering about it was that you had a loved one there with you, someone that you trusted. And so I sat there crying and couldn't eat it. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, Dennis, take the amount of pasta that you think would be a a good amount for Kelsey to eat. Mm. So Dennis takes it. And of course he's just there (laughs) dumping it on. Right. But, and my mom was even like, oh geez, like, okay. Yeah, I know. I, I basically said that. But yeah, it, it was powerful to, to see that because in a way, 
I felt like he was completely overcompensating, uh-huh. but at the same time, he was giving me that permission when I didn't need to do that for myself for the first time sure. as I was trying to eat this feared food. So that yeah. was something that was really helpful and powerful yeah. to go down the list. And that's why I feel so strongly about having no food off limits now is, is because those things like you can do it and conquering those fears is really, really important. That's so huge. I I know Jill talks about in moderation 365 is just having those foods around that don't have so much power over you. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was competing, I couldn't have anything in the house. I was like, if it's here, I'll eat it all. Like if there's Oreos, I'm going to eat the whole box or whatever sleeve of them. I can't have just one or two. And it's gotten to the point now where there's no food off limits for me. And in fact, I don't even crave that much. Um, I was having this conversation with my boyfriend and he was like, do you, do you ever just want this or that? And I'm like, I could have it. It's just don't want it that much anymore yeah. because it's, it's just not forbidden. And right. I feel like we get these attachments. If we, if we feel like we can't have it, suddenly we create this pedestal of the food. Mm-hmm. So how about, um, just eating, I want to say in quotes, normally, one of the things I did just to teach myself was I would like look at other people who didn't have food issues and kind of mimic them. Yeah. And I want to know how you, like, how did they teach you to do that? Because I think sometimes when it comes to food obsession or like restriction, like anorexia or not eating, you can overcompensate and then you just binge and you swing the other way and just eat a ton. How did you manage that? So that was also a powerful piece about the the family-based treatment program Mm -hmm. is like we had a transition plan for after I left treatment going into real life. So, so basically Dennis would choose the types of foods that he felt would be acceptable for me to eat, to be able to get nutrients, but also continue like working through feared foods. So for a few months after that, he really helped me make those choices. So first he would make all the choices for the types and amounts. And then from there we would make those decisions together. And I would say, okay, I want to have, you know, chicken. I want to have asparagus and I want to have X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And he'd be like, okay, why? And we would just talk through it together and be like, okay, what are the thoughts that are happening? Why am I wanting these foods? And it was really like an ongoing treatment process even thereafter. And so like we would go in and talk to the the counselors and everybody and kind of work through a lot of these things. And yeah. that was really helpful in being able to decipher, okay, is this my eating disorder thoughts or is this my actual thoughts and wants and desires and what my body is telling me? And so that took a while to understand those things. Yeah. This is really fascinating process that they had other people in your family kind of making decisions for you. Did you feel, because so much of these eating disorders are about control, you being controlled and you're kind of giving control to someone else, but it is someone else that you trust. Yes. So I think that's crucial. Did you ever feel resentful towards Dennis of what he was doing? Did you feel like now he was the bad guy ever? There were times for sure where we would have arguments. I mean, we... I mean, that's human nature in general, right? But especially when I was working through this disorder, that was there definitely were challenging times and there were challenging times with my mom, but she is the most patient and kind person in the world, but also has this fiery side where she was like, no, this is what you need, you know? So between, between the two of them, like there, there was enough compassion and also, uh, I guess just, nope, this is, this is what we need. Yeah. Yeah, Tough love. Exactly. That we would go through times that were challenging, but overall we would always come back and be like, okay, we know that this is best. So yeah, it's not easy. There were good, di- good days and days that were the worst, yeah. but it sounds like you though, were pretty open at least too. Cause yeah. you could have been like, no, I'm not totally. doing this. I'm, this is stupid. This is dumb treatment. You guys are making me and you could have just, yeah. So there was an element of where I was sick of being sick mm-hmm. and 
even though I was, I had so many compulsions to restrict, to not eat certain foods, to overexercise. I also knew that I didn't feel like myself anymore and I didn't like anything about myself. And so I'm like, I don't want to feel this way. So did I feel that way every day? No, the, the eating disorder thoughts would take over sometimes for sure. Um, but also I, I wanted to get married and we were in the, we were engaged, we were planning a wedding and my parents were like, dude, you can't, you can't get married if you're so sick like this. And so there was also that motivation too, to be able to get well enough to, to move on with my life. I really love that. I think the sick of being sick could ring a bell for, I mean, can trigger a lot of people to go, yeah, I've been there. I feel like even just for me with depression and just different parts, you're just like, I don't want to be this way anymore. Mm -hmm. There has to be a different way. And getting out of fitness competitions, I'm like, I don't want to be like live where I have to weigh and measure everything that goes into my mouth. There got, there has to be a different way. So we get to those like screw it moments. Dennis sounds like he was just a rock for you the whole time. That's amazing. He really is. Yeah. So going out of that, like now this is however many years later, how many years out of that? Six, seven. Yeah. So in September, it will have been 10 years, 10 years since I went into treatment. Yeah. So 10 years out of it. And there's, this is like, Obviously, I'm sure this is a a journey, but did you feel for a while, I felt, at least for me, when I first told my parents about my eating disorder in high school, that they were constantly always watching me. And even to this day, I feel like sometimes Mm. they're kind of weird about it. Do you feel like that is still going on? Do you feel ever like defensive about, like you have to make, I don't know, defensive about what your food choices are? Yeah. I think for a few years after, I was still trying to build up my confidence Mm -hmm. about food choices. Mm -hmm. And I know that like friends and family were still concerned about relapses. And because that's a lot of a lot of people deal with that. And a lot of people struggle for a long time with being able to completely experience freedom. So that that's a fair assessment. Right. But after a few years, they continued to see my progress Mm -hmm. and just me making purposeful choices Mm -hmm. for creating a balance and that, that really helped. Yeah. So just, I think consistency and time were really, really helpful in that. So you did some food fear stuff and a lot of stuff around food. What about the stuff that wasn't about the food? Yeah. What were the things that you maybe, and you don't have to be specific if it's specific instances, but maybe just like mindset things or like personality things that you think also contributed that you had to work through? Yeah. So, well, compulsive exercising was also something that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. So I basically stopped working out for six months. And then when I started working out again, it was very, very minimal. I, I just needed to make sure that I was not compulsively exercising. And so there was elements of accountability that we worked in with that as well. And so that's why I love to do what I do now, where it's like, I have short and powerful workouts where I'm not going on runs for hours anymore and just doing more reps just because it's going to burn more calories. Like it's just really important to me to have those types of workouts now because it's empowering to not have to feel compulsive in that. Yeah. I want to just throw in this story. So right before we recorded, um, Kelsey and I did a workout at the gym and (laughs) we were, we were looking we were actually going through Jill's physique finishers workouts and she's got them broken down by 10 minutes, 15 and 20. I looked at the 20. I was like, no, that's too long. And then 
Kelsey and I picked between these two and one was a 12 minute AMRAP and the other one was like four rounds. And she's like, this one seems like it'll be shorter. And it was, and at the end I was like, isn't it funny how, and I didn't even know like how many hours, I didn't know about your um, compulsive exercise stuff, but I was like, it's funny how back in the day, I mean, I would work out for hours and now I'm thinking 12 minutes is too yes. long. <laughs> we're like, okay, 12 minutes, we're good. Let's get the hell out of here. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's such a like complete 180. I'm like, okay, before 12 minutes, I would have been like, that's not enough. I need to be here for three more hours. For now sure. Like, now we're looking at 15 and going, nope, that's too long. 12, nope, that's too long. Let's do the shorter yeah. <laughs> I love it though. That's, that's a good thing, right? It is a good thing. And it's so amazing because if you, you know, look at your physique and this is not really the point, but it's like, it's effective. Like yeah. you still look healthy. You feel good. You're not spending all your time, your brain. I, I know for me, when I was working out that much, not to the point of where I was lost for two hours at the airport, but I felt confused yes. I, towards the end of my adrenal fatigue stuff. I remember constantly my memory was gone. I would forget so many things and I would just feel like, I couldn't think of word, like there'd be words in my head, but they couldn't come out. And I didn't know what I was trying to say. Yeah. And that was really scary. I was just like, what's going on? And I, of course I didn't think it had anything to do with all the exercise I was doing right. or not eating enough, but I don't have those things happen anymore. And that's, um, maybe somebody listening, even if they're just on this diet cycle and having that confusion of feeling like, I think we write it off as maybe I'm just getting older and I'm like 27, 28, you know, you're not just no. getting older, having mental lapses. Like that's something to be looked at. Yep. Definitely. So yeah, 12 minutes is, we're like, let's do the shorter than 12. <laughs> Where's the two minute workout? Yes. <laughs> Jill is writing that one up right now. <laughs> right. There's, I, I always loved, it was like, that's something about Mary when he's like the seven minute abs or there's like the eight minute abs and he goes, I have a new one, seven minute abs. <laughs> yes. And my girlfriend, um, Beck's Rebecca Baruki. She has a book called you, you only have, what is it? You have four minutes. It's about like just four minutes to change your life. And it's cool. all meditation. And I kept telling her, am I going to come up with a book that says you have three minutes? <laughs> I'll sell your four minute book. Yes. So we're going to do the two, the two minute workouts, the 20 second workouts. <laughs> um, okay. So that was you, some of the mindset piece was the obsessive exercise. What else would you say was a big piece that was contributing? Was there family pressure? Did you feel like you were never measuring up? Yeah, there was there was never family pressure. My parents were uh, really chill, and and they were always very supportive, which I feel very lucky um, to have that because that's not always the case. But I I think it was just kind of something that I always had within me, where I just always wanted to be a high performer. I always wanted to do things perfectly. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that's just kind of who I was naturally, which when used in a, you know, balanced and healthy way is really powerful. Yeah. But it's easy to just go a little bit over the line into a territory that's causes challenges. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that who are just high performers. And it's, it's almost like if, if, more is better than even more is yes. you can do more and you just keep doing more. And there's, mm -hmm. I think there's just a place where it starts to have diminishing returns. Yeah. Right. So, so a lot of it was personality. You think I do think yeah. so. And some things that really helped with that was when Dennis and I got married, we kind of did some unique things that allowed me to not be able to plan ahead as much. Mm -hmm. I was always a planner and had to have everything like, completely mapped. I knew since sixth grade that I wanted to go to California for college right. and play basketball. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. So once we got married, we, uh, we, you know, started an online business and we did a bunch of traveling. We 
you know, wouldn't book flights until the day of. We had no idea where we were staying once we landed. And those types of things were really healthy for me to be able to be like, you know what? I can survive yeah. without having every second of my life planned out. Yeah. And and now I think I am a lot more chill because of that. That's huge. That's a, the most self-trust and going, I can figure this out. Mm -hmm. And I think too many people are afraid to let go of that. Do you think that just having Dennis by your side helped you do that? Or would you have kind of thrown those things in your own way? Yeah. I mean, it it was incredibly helpful to have that support. That was crucial for me. And I I don't know what it would look like uh, without that. I I would like to believe that I would be able to, to come to those places, but having that support was really, really helpful. And I know that a lot of people don't necessarily have someone right by their side to be able to have that accountability. But I think it's important to, to look at who are the people in your life who, who could be helpful in, you know, accountability and love and support or finding someone who, who would understand it can be really, really helpful. Yeah. So you're helping other women with this now, like you have, you have a, a company and an app that's it's Hitburn and yes. So Dennis and I started Hitburn, Mm -hmm. um, and then we just merged with Hitmax in January. So now we're we're all under one umbrella, and the the main name is Hitmax, but we still have our Hitburn Instagram and Facebook page. That's kind of like sister brands. Yep. So they're short, small workouts, but then you have your own message of just Mm -hmm. like helping people get through that stuff. Why did you start talking about that stuff? Was it you were still on your journey, or were people reaching out to you? Like, why did you feel the need to keep talking about that and helping women that way? Yeah. So for a while when I was, you know, recovered, Mm -hmm. but still felt not like damaged, but I I was just, I didn't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. because it was so personal and it was such a painful period of time that I was like, I feel good about myself now. I just want to move on with my life. So there were a few years where I didn't really want to talk about everything that happened. And then I, you know, I would share a little bit in an email and would get a crazy response and uh, would share a little bit on Instagram and just got flooded with, with questions and people being like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And so I came to this point where like, I need to, I need to share and I need to help people be able to come to this place where if, you know, they had an eating disorder or if they have a complicated relationship with food or if they've just done every diet and can't figure out what works for them, like help people of all of these different spaces be able to create a healthier relationship with food. Because when you get to that point, it all starts to click. Yeah. But sometimes people think that they have to find the right diet or the right workout program to be able to have it to click. And it's like, that's, that's a piece of it, sure. but it's certainly not the whole story. Yeah. So I would imagine some people maybe come to you looking at you like body goals and this is how she did it. And then realizing that they find their own story in your story Mm -hmm. and you help them through that. I think that's really cool. It's, it's really interesting too, because I think people maybe would look at you on the outside and goes, Oh, she just has great genetics. Everything's perfect. And she's never struggled. And yet you have this, this story. And I think that's, I think it's important to tell. I think it helps people maybe who are going through it to go, Oh, like if she can get through that, then so can I. Yes. Yeah. That's super powerful. Thanks. Yeah. It, it is important. We all have a story yeah. and it's important for people to experience it in their own way, to be able to heal from it, but then share about it how they want. But I do think that it is powerful when people see examples of, wow, they've been there and they can get through that because it healing is totally possible. And I know that a lot of people 
feel defeated in their own journey, but it is possible. What are some things on social media today that you're seeing that maybe are like damaging and just Mm -hmm. not helpful kind of going against what you're trying to do? Yeah, that's a great question because are there a lot of things that can work? Sure. But I think that there are a lot of quick fixes Mm -hmm. that actually are damaging. So something that I really try to to help people work through is a lot of counting macros and uh, you know more restrictive diets where they cut out major food groups and I'll say this like keto you know things like that where it's like that can work for a short period of time for certain people but there I, I know so many people who have counted macros or done these diets where they cut out food groups and they just become so fearful of going outside of the boundaries of that diet and that's not a healthy thing. So are there people who can experience these things and see results and be okay with it? Maybe 0.05% of people, sure. But for in general, um, those, those are the things that I see where it's like, you know, you have to count everything and that's really, really challenging. So I want to be a safety net for people to, to come into once they go through those things and realize that that's really hard to keep up. Yeah. I love that you said that because we still get messages. I know Jill does probably more than I do because I don't talk about diet as much anymore, but we still get those people who are like, well, I should just do macros or keto. And it's like, cool, except that you, you're, you can never leave the house. It seems like, like you can't, you have to constantly be worried. And I think the mental space that that takes up, takes up so much of your life. Mm -hmm. And when you were saying earlier, how you weren't yourself, I remember feeling that when I was competing, going out to dinner with people and friends, I was never present. Yes. If we're in a table and everyone's talking and laughing, I'm just sitting there like looking at everyone's food, thinking about how much I can eat or not, or what I'm going to do as soon as I get home. And I was never just really enjoying life Mm -hmm. because it was that. And I think even with the macros, sure it can work, but do you want to sit there with a calculator weighing everything and trying to figure it out before it goes into your mouth? And I feel like it's just, it's just too much. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you eat now? Like what is your like philosophy on your food? Yeah. So basically I, I practice intuitive eating, uh, where I eat all foods. There's no food off limits. And I really just focus on listening to my body. So I understand how certain foods fuel the body. So I really focus on high quality, whole unprocessed foods for the vast majority of my meals. Mm -hmm. I, I understand that, I need more carbohydrates when I get in, you know, tougher workouts and stuff like that. But then if I want a donut, I'm going to have a donut. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's like a very, um, it's, it's not a sexy way of eating necessarily, but there are ways to be informed about food where you don't have to count everything that you eat. Yeah. And there are ways that you can achieve fat loss or muscle gain through things like intuitive eating by having some simple information yep. about how foods feel the body without having to be ruled by, by the diet. Yeah. I love where you are now. And I can imagine that journey because it sounds so simple now. I remember yeah. hearing people talk about intuitive eating and I'm like, that sounds great. But you just said, if you have a donut, you'd have a donut. Well, I just wouldn't stop eating donuts. Yes. I'd eat them for the rest of my life. And I think that maybe at the beginning you do. I think mm-hmm. when I first kind of started letting off the rules, I would binge for a little while, but then it got to where I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yes. I just didn't feel good anymore. And it does take time. And I want people to realize listening to you that this has been a 10 year journey. Mm-hmm. 
and it doesn't happen overnight and you do kind of have to let go of the trust. I mean, let go of the control Mm -hmm. and learn to trust that you can start to figure it out. Yeah. What about the, um, like weight gain and body change stuff when you started to maybe, I'm sure you had to gain a little bit of weight after the anorexia. Did you really struggle with that? Like, did you freak out in the mirror or your clothes? Like how did you deal with the body image changes? Yeah. So I had to, I had to gain a lot of weight back, mm-hmm. um, just to be a, a general healthy range yeah. again. So no scale ever. Um, yeah. I, when I went to the doctor, they weighed me backwards. Yep. And so just so that it wouldn't mess with me. Yeah. And I, I would just, you know, if I needed new clothes, I, I went out and got them if I needed to. So yeah. I, I did my best to not overanalyze. So I would try, I wouldn't like allow myself to look in poke and prod and twist and turn in the mirror, mm-hmm. things like that, where mm-hmm. it's just like, do my clothes semi match? Is my hair okay? Okay, mm-hmm. let's go. You know, so trying to put these certain parameters in place where I wasn't allowing myself to overanalyze was really helpful and important. Yeah. That's really difficult. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, when I started, I, I I got this advice from a girl and it was really helpful to me. She said for the next few months, just only wear sweats. She's Mm -hmm. like, you don't want to try to put on clothes that you, you know, like you, you almost try to put on the old jeans that you know, aren't going to fit just to make yourself upset. And she's like, just wear sweats. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Cause I just was too scared to even try my clothes. And then I was worried that they wouldn't fit. And then if they did, that was going to throw me off. And so I just stayed in sweats for a little while and it was helpful. That's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just, I'm always curious about how people go through it because it is such a process. I had heard people when I was going through a lot of struggles, talk like we're talking and I'm like, sounds so easy for you. You're in shape, you're fit, you're pretty. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it didn't, start that way. There's yeah. a lot of mental challenges that go through it. And it's like a day-to-day thing. Mm-hmm. What would you say today is your biggest struggle? Does it have anything to do with body or food or is it more business stuff or what are your, like, what are you struggling with now? That's a great question. So I feel very fortunate to not have any compulsions with exercise, restriction with food, anything like that. So I feel very confident and comfortable in my experience with that now, which I'm very thankful for. Cause I know that a lot of people, uh, struggle with that for a long time. For me, I think it's, creating a work-life balance in the sense of like, I, I love what I do, mm-hmm. but also fully taking time off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just as you know, when you have your own business, you're, you're in everything. And so being able to consciously like have time to shut off is something that I'm still trying to work through for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's hard for so many people. Yeah. And same thing with your personality. Yeah. It's like you go, okay, now I'm going into this. Uh, what kind of things I'm sure you've like set parameters. Are there certain things you do where you're like not allowed to have the phone at a certain time or you guys make sure you have, I don't know, scheduled vacations or days off. What do you do for that? Yeah. So we try to take off Sundays for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes that changes if we're traveling, but usually it's one day off, which is helpful. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things. And, and, you know, we don't, we're not like on our phones the whole time we're eating dinner and stuff like that, which we're, we're pretty good about, but still, I, I think that, having more like, okay, this is chill time. Like we're going on vacay for three days or like whatever it is. That's what I want to start scheduling into the calendar. Yeah. That's so good. I think that that is so hard for a lot of people to shut off. Mm -hmm. Do you have any hobbies or are there things that you're like, I want to do this and it's, there's no point in it, maybe drawing or 
something kind of that just doesn't add to your business life or fitness life that you do or that you want to do? Yeah. So a couple things. Um, ironically, going out to new restaurants now is something that I love doing. So I, you know, it's so funny because I used to be scared of eating so many different types of foods, but now I just, I love trying new places. And so going somewhere and eating family style where you can just try everything is something that I really enjoy doing now. Um, coffee is also another one. Yeah. I freaking love that. We started, uh, Jeff is like eating wings lately. Okay. And it's so funny. We got to Portland and it was wing week and it was like all of these restaurants here in town had these specials of wings. It was, you'd get six wings for $5 and you could just go to all these different bars and show up and they had these special wings. So one night we went to three different bars. It was like a wing hot, like a pub crawl, but it was like a wing crawl. Yes. They have, they have burger week, like all the stuff. It's, it's amazing. I saw that. I was like, Portland's got a cider week, a burger Mm -hmm. week. I was like, Oh geez, we could just eat this town. Oh yeah. But that sounded really kinky. Uh, It was, it is funny because I would have never done that kind yeah. of stuff before. And it can be so fun. Totally. Like just vibes. It doesn't have to be crazy. Yeah. I love that. I think you have so much fun stuff to share. So um, thank you for sharing all this stuff yeah, and getting you. really deep. Where can people find you, follow you? Where's the best place? Yeah. So my, my personal Instagram uh, is probably the best place right now. So it's just the daily Kelsey. And um, then I also have a, a fitness business and an app called HitMax that you can find in the app store. Um, you can find me on Instagram at HitMax or at HitBurn. But um, probably the daily Kelsey is the most direct place to find me. Perfect. I love it. Thank you so much for letting me in your house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in Thanks the for Portland, coming. Oregon studio. And we'll see you later. Thanks so much.